quick rant here, Corbin. How are you? I'm doing well. Good, good. Um, I don't understand why trying to abolish and get rid of getting rid of racism. Like, why is this such an issue? I don't understand why we can't wrap our heads around this. And I don't understand why people have the perspective they do. But then, as I sit back, Mm. and I know we said we're not a political podcast, but through this whole learning thing, starting to see where people really lie. And it's disappointing, but to the side they go, and let's focus on the, the best and what we need to do. But I just don't understand why trying to put an end to racism is such a controversial thing for so many people. It should be like, oh, it should be like, oh, that's a human being and we're treating them less than others. Yeah, let's change that. But for some reason, that just can't happen. And I'm kind of getting tired of it. It's a kind of a controversial stance to to value, you know, lives that are being taken away, you know, innocently or unjustly or unfairly. It seems to be a controversial take. And then people just continue to make it about themselves and oh i i'm my family had hardships and therefore that invalidates what the 400 years of systematic and institutionalized racism that we've had you know not in just in america I and mean, canada is not that much better either so I, I don't know i don't know what the deal is with that i totally agree with you i don't i don't think we've ever agreed more on a topic and and i would argue this isn't a political stance that's a do you care about human beings? Do you, I'm sorry to swear, but do you give a about people? If you care about people, then this isn't a hard thing to kind of grasp, but apparently it is. So, yeah, I, I, it's just, I don't really know what else to say, but this is the world and not everyone's going to agree. And that's cool. But um, if you're not willing to open your mind and your heart and to hear what other people have to say and be really vulnerable and think about yourself, all of us, if you're not willing to do that work, off to the side you go, sorry, it's not what I want for my son. It's not what I want for my family. It's not what I want for my friends. It's not the people I want to be around. I want people that are willing to challenge themselves and try to be better versions of themselves. And it's just not happening for some people. And that's cool. It's their world. I'm just a squirrel trying to get a nut to move your butt. Welcome back, everyone. We are super thrilled to have episode number 10. And I must say, and give some honesty here, we wanted to get this guest on a few episodes ago, but we had some serious technical difficulties. The joy of trying to do a podcast online and via the internet, but also with someone who uh, is living in Seattle. And we couldn't just put out what was recorded because this person deserves to hear, have their story told, and we want to hear everything that they have to say. And we are super thrilled to have the one and the only just completed master's program, uh, Miss Lexi Durr. Thanks again for being with us, Lex. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to it. We've we've done this intro five times, so she's... (laughs) she's a pro. How's everything going down in Seattle? Obviously a weird time. And just talk a little bit about that and then what it feels like to hit send on a on a master's final paper and have that off your plate. Yeah, 
yeah, just trying to stay safe. Uh, each day is a little different, so staying safe down here and keeping out of the some of the mess, but also staying active and keeping people educated as well. Um, and then masters-wise, it uh, feels great. I mean, hasn't quite hit me yet, but um, it'll hit me soon. <laughs> but it does feel mm-hmm. good to just have that off my plate. And it uh, feels nice to have another goal um, that I set and have it accomplished. Nice. Congratulations. That's a, that's a huge, that's a huge deal. That. Yeah. Let's jump right into it. Uh, you know, I was around and Corbin was also around when you were in high school. So we both got to kind of see you as a, as a basketball player and as a person. And um, it's why we wanted you to be our first kind of like our first female on, on this podcast, because you've always carried yourself so well with such a, just, just a modest kind of positive, upbeat, um, kind of stoic person. And you've been through a lot basketball wise and, and been around, you know, and had lots of different experience. So what was young Lexi like and, and why did she start to get into sport and what were those sports that she started to enjoy when she was yeah, little? Um, young Lexi. Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> quiet. I guess I was quiet. I was very observant. Um, I have two older siblings who are about, who are seven years older than I am. So I was always tagging along and watching them play soccer and, and sports in general and uh, always at the field and just wanted to be kind of with them involved and whatnot. So I got involved in soccer as my first sport. I was four and a half and my parents got me on an all boys team. And so I played on an all boys soccer team for many years, 10 years almost. Uh, Oh, maybe a little less than that, but uh, for a long time with same coach and, and that was uh, an experience all in itself, but I was competitive and focused Mm -hmm. and um, just very driven even at that age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That continued on. Yeah. And when you first stepped on that field with a bunch of boys, like, was it, uh, was it in the back of your mind or was it just like, I just see other athletes and I know I can compete with these athletes? Yeah. You know? um, that's a good question. I mean, looking back, I don't have too much vivid memory of that in that capacity, but I do know, I know myself now and that when I see people, when I'm playing a sport or something, I just see, you know, we're just athletes. And so I can imagine myself at that age, probably the same way and just focused on, you know, my job right now is a soccer player. My job is to, you know, be on this team and, and participate and and contribute and uh, expected the best of myself as well as my teammates. So I've carried that throughout my whole athletic career. And so um, at that age, I'm, I know that of myself uh, at that time too. So being the only female mm-hmm. at the time, thankfully I had a, a coach that expected the other players to treat me equally and not treat me as like, Oh, you know, it's just a girl on a team, but they really respected me and uh, mm-hmm. treated me as a, a teammate and not just, you know, that girl of sorts. So that was a positive experience and allowed me to kind of flourish in that environment. I think it also checks someone's ego too. When, uh, you get out there and then you just dangle someone or you go into a hard tackle and kind of, you know, are physically mm-hmm. able to match up. And then they're like, okay. Right. Like as much as the, sure. as much as the coach says it, the kids probably in the back of their mind are like, whatever. And then you get out there and there's like a free ball and you get in there and send some kid flying. Yeah. And he's like, Oh snap. All right. I better be yeah. on my A game. Right. 
Well, definitely. Well, and it, and it did bring also um, kind of a time where there were, I think, at least one other girl that was playing on an all boys team uh, somewhere down the line. And the rest of my team was just, you know, chuckling and, and, oh, you know, it's just a girl on their team. Like, we'll be fine. And then my coach comes around and says, you know, it could be another Lexi on the team. And then they just, oh, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. They didn't really see me as, again, that girl. They saw me as uh, an equal of just a competitive player. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it was kind of cool to see that thought process being translated to other teams as well. And then you had the opportunity at a young age too to, you know, travel with this team and kind of go around the world and like, what a, what a cool experience to be able to play at such a high level and then also get the opportunity to, to see the world. And I'm guessing that maybe subconsciously when you got to the level of playing for Canada, which we'll talk about, but it didn't seem like such a big transition because you've at least been a part of something where, you know, you're leaving your province, leaving your country and you're going to compete, you know, against other people. What was that like? Yeah. Um, I always, I've always been quite serious about my tasks at hand. So at the time, mm -hmm. or even still, you know, sport, uh, whether it was soccer or basketball was my job. And that was my focus next to, of course, school. And so I, I took my job seriously. And so when we were traveling, uh, playing on provincial team for soccer and such and traveling internationally or nationally, it was the same thing. And, and our coaches instilled that in us, that this is your job. You know, you dress the part, we're a team. So you dress in uniform. Uh, even off the field, you know, you focus and you, you get your own laundry done, you get your own food, you, you know, and make sure you still have contact with your parents, of course, and, and make sure you go to bed on time, all those types of things. But that was instilled at us, you know, from, I think I was 11 or 12 on my first provincial team yeah. when we were in Germany. So uh, <laughs> no parents really around. And our coaches were, you know, two males plus a, a manager who was one of the moms, but, you know, and then a team of 15 or almost 20 girls, um, young 12 year olds <laughs> trying to figure it out. So <laughs> for me, yeah. it was pretty normal because I, I've always been yeah. just serious and focused. Um, but you know, coaches really made it seem like it was your job. And, and so when does basketball like that, you know, the thing that I really appreciate and most of the people that we've interviewed so far or chatted with have played other sports. And that's, mm -hmm. I think something huge for other people to hear just the importance of playing and exposing yourself and not you know specializing too early and just that footwork right. that you took to play soccer that trans translated into basketball especially being someone who you know how to was tall and and grew when did basketball get introduced to your life and and why and who were those people that kind of that drew you to the sport yeah basketball kind of came on maybe i was 10 or so and I was uh, playing at Burnaby Eagles or at this time, I think it was like the Burnaby Grizzlies over at Bonzer. And that was with Norman Roberts. And I played with them just to learn the sport and such. And, and then I kind of, soccer was still my, you know, first sport at the time. So that kind of took over, but Norm allowed me to have this flexibility to be like, you know, come when you can leave when you need to. Um, we understand that, you know, soccer is, your sport right now, but we still want you to play with us. And so he developed a, a travel team and, you know, that way we all got more exposure to basketball, either in the States or, or different parts of the province and kind of opened the door there of like, Oh, Oh, this is what that sport is. Uh, at the time I didn't really, I wasn't really aware of that. So maybe I was 12, 13, 14 when it became more of a, a sport that I wanted to explore uh, rather than just a recreational sport. 
it's, I think it's so important that you touch on the fact that you had a coach who didn't pressure you. Right. And Mm -hmm. like if coach Roberts at your young age, where you're loving soccer, you're full on that way. You're like, Oh, give this basketball thing a try. It seems fun. If he at some point says, you know what, Lexi, you have to be at every practice. You have to be at every game and, you know, and makes you make that choice. I'm guessing Mm -hmm. you, you choose soccer. Yeah. At that time for sure. And, and that was, that definitely opened, you know, Norm definitely opened my eyes there and just giving that flexibility. And then that trickled into even to the next level. We, I got invited to play for center for performance and that was with, you know, Richie Chambers and, and Norm as well. And even there, I still had that flexibility to, you know, come in late because I had soccer early morning on Saturday, get late to, um, you know, center for performance. And then the same thing on the flip side on Sunday and leave early mm-hmm. when I needed to. Um, so mm-hmm. even at that next level, they still didn't pressure me and they still allowed me to, you know, just figure it out and make my own path. And so that continued for the, a couple of years. And then I decided, you know what? No, soccer, uh, soccer is not going to be my sport anymore. I'm going all in on basketball. And so, you know, when I was 14, well, 15, I think is when I decided basketball is it. That's where I want to go. That's funny because uh, when I played for Richie, he didn't make me choose anything. It was, there was no choice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I played for him in a high school team. Yeah. yeah. Just for people that don't know, like when you say center for performance, because it's kind of just dwindled away. Like, what was that? And I, I feel like it was a really, really great thing that provided an opportunity for young hoopers to play against, you know, the best in their age. So what, what was that when you say center for performance? Because some people might not know what that was. Yeah. Um, so it occurred every weekend, I think outside of basketball season, uh, high school basketball season. So it was in the fall and then it was in late spring. And on the weekends, it was maybe six to eight hours each day. And there was multiple coaches from all over the lower mainland, at least. And then players coming in from, I think, all over the province um, Mm -hmm. at times. For sure. For a range of ages. So it was, um, I think, my youngest age, I was 13. And girls were there from, you know, seniors in high school. And so we would be playing just practicing together, doing drills together, playing, you know, one-on-one, two-on-two, up to five-on-five even at times, and just learning as a group and playing with the best competition in the province. Um, And that was a weekly thing. It's been fantastic. And I think that, I hope it doesn't dwindle away. (laughs) That was was such a great Mm -hmm, thing. mm -hmm. And getting coached by so many different people. Um, we had Richie Chambers, of course, and Norman Roberts, but we also had Anthony Bayrudi at times. And then we had Allison McNeil and Mike McNeil as well. And I mean, those are big names in, in Canadian basketball. And it was just such a mm-hmm. such an experience um, and such an opportunity that uh, it's been fantastic to have under my belt. Yeah, it, like you touch on such a good point. Like, why wouldn't you show up for the time that you were available to have those people oh, work man. with you, right? Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the names that you just drop right there is like people would literally die to have the opportunity to be coached by one of them, let alone, you know, all five For or sure. six of them. <laughs> Unreal. Yeah. And then you're saying like, I, I'm kind of giggling to myself as you're talking. Cause you're like, 
I guess I decided that at like 15, I was going to go all in on basketball. And then, and then they pick you for the U16 cadet team for, for Canada, right? Like, (laughs) how does that, like, how does that work? What, why did that, what, why did you get noticed then? Was basketball just so easy up to that point? Or what, like, what am I missing where you're like, I think I'm just going to commit to basketball when I was 15. And then you're on the cadet team. Like I make that connection for (laughs) me. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, I'll do my best, but <laughs> I found myself in your humble losing. way. I know you will. <laughs> yeah. Um, I found myself losing touch with, you know, my soccer in a sense of, um, I didn't find myself fitting as well, mm. uh, both on a team, but also just in the sport mm. itself. I, I found there to be, um, a little more politics than I had desired. And, you know, in the, the discussion earlier of, basketball didn't seem to make me choose, you know, basketball or soccer, but soccer was weighing in on, no, you have to be Mm. soccer or nothing. And I didn't feel all in at that point. So I said, you know what, you know, I'm going to go with basketball. And I went all in with basketball and I am quite a coachable player. So I was able to pick up on um, different skills and kind of, I mean, definitely not master them, but do them well and do them enough that I could practice them to get Mm -hmm. them better in a way that allowed me to excel. But I think also my maturity and my competitiveness and also my team, you know, my team, the way I view a team and how um, the team fits together is kind of how that came together. That's interesting what you're saying about, because when we talked about, you know, Coach Roberts letting you do that thing, I was going to like bring up a point and I just left it. Mm -hmm. But I also kind of felt the same too. Like, you know, I, I played Metro Ford my whole life to a high level. And then it basically, you know, I was into baseball too. And I'll never forget my soccer coaches being the ones to put the most pressure on me. And I was like, what the heck? Like Mm -hmm. it it wasn't basketball people. It wasn't baseball for some reason, soccer. And that's not to put, you know, them all under the same, but it was just that there was this pressure and that definitely pushed me away from it too. Cause it was like, sorry, you're not making me feel really comfortable. So interesting for young coaches and old coaches out there to just take note of that point. I think that's important to touch on. And I'm glad you brought it up first because you're nicer than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know about that. You're pretty nice too, but yeah, no, I agree with that completely. Talk about that. You Canadian, yeah. the, I mean, like when does it hit you? Yeah. Was it the first time you put the, actual jersey on and you're standing there like do they do the anthems before every game or um is it when you get the practice jersey i know you only had a few practices before you guys took off for your tournament but when does it hit you like holy smokes i am being picked as one of the top 12 i guess 12 players in canada for my age like that's that's a huge accomplishment yeah i i think it was i think it was a kind of a, a stepping Thing, like stepping stones into that mm. um definitely of course you're wearing canada on your chest and you're wearing your last name on the back of your jersey and you're standing there at you know the free throw line listening to your anthem of course that's it hits you then but even before that i mean uh me and just one other player was coming from bc going to toronto to train like you mentioned for three days meeting players we've never yeah. played with before never I mean, we've played against <laughs> we played against them at nationals or provincial provincial team versus provincial team, but never with each other. And so, mm-hmm. training with each other for three days, hopping on a plane to you know Mexico City, 
and here you go, go play, you know, FIBA Americas. And uh, it was definitely a little bit more each time um, feeling like, okay, yeah, this is, this is Team Canada. This is um, a new experience. This is incredible. I'm, I'm prideful, of course. And then you get to Mexico City. Yeah. And um, wearing the jersey. But also seeing our parents, I think, was a big one. And seeing, I think, every player mm. had at least someone from their family there. I was fortunate to have my parents and my mm. brother there. And, you know, my brother is very much very prideful and has a vuvuzela big horns that they have at soccer games yeah. with, with the Canadian flag. <laughs> Legit number one parent group I've ever oh, seen yeah. in my life. Like the three amigos just yeah. everywhere. Like you name a gym, a place, a time, they are there. Like For phenomenal. Sure. Yeah. Well, and, and then having other parents in that same capacity with that same amount of pride, uh, wearing Canadian colors and flags and everything. It was just like, wow, we're really here. Like, wow. Mm, okay. Mm. And then, you know, seeing, across from us seeing you know argentina or seeing team usa right seeing right you know things like that it was just kind of wow yeah this is it this is team canada this is kind of of course a dream something you don't expect to happen and it just all happened so fast yeah no doubt mm-hmm. and okay so u16 that's your you're finishing your grade 11 year no your grade 10 year. 10 year yeah yeah and then you come back to stm you play your grade 11 year mm-hmm. and then when does Allison McNeil come into your life? Kind of like, cause I remember rolling in in the morning <laughs> and opening the gym for kids or just being there. And then I'm like, Oh snap. Like, uh, Allison McNeil is rebounding for Lexi <laughs> right now. Uh, maybe Lexi should just too, play. Yeah. Maybe Lexi should just play for the varsity boys <laughs> because, but then I just did want Ferrano to kill me. Um, <laughs> but like, Obviously, Allison has made a huge connection with many young women in her life, mm-hmm. but she must have seen something special in in you for her to come out and work with you. So when does that connection happen? And how did the McNeils come into your life as well? Uh, the, you know, you talked about Norm Roberts, but mm-hmm. obviously, if you talk about basketball in Canada and you don't bring up the McNeil family, then you're not really that well informed, right? So For sure. They, after Richie left the center for performance. I think he went over to the boys side. Then Allison and Mike um, stepped in kind of as the head coach, I guess, of the center for performance and the RTC uh, regional training center. And uh, I guess that's probably where it really kicked off um, seeing them every weekend, you know, really getting to know, getting to know them and them getting to know all of us. And I think maybe there's 30, maybe 40 of us every weekend. So, I mean, it's, and I don't know, at least five to eight coaches. Um, so you get pretty good face time with everyone, uh, players or coaches. Mm-hmm. And then with Allison, I think that was starting to happen maybe after the national team or the cadet national team there. Um, and then, you know, after high school season kicked off and finished out, she also invited myself as well as a couple um, other players to train with her and Mike and maybe Richie as well as some national team players uh, in the springtime. And so we would go over to Terry Fox after school, Tuesdays or Thursdays and train again, doing skills, doing, doing whatever, maybe one-on-ones and such, and just doing smaller scale skills there. And so again, another fantastic opportunity leading into the summertime 
for more provincial yeah. teams and the national team again. Mm-hmm. And that kind of just, that relationship evolved. And even to this day, I still email her and check in with her and Mike. And when I can have a cup of coffee with them when we're around, just good cool. that relationship going. They're great people. Well, and like at the end of the day, without sounding super corny, but like, isn't that kind of really what it's all about? Mm-hmm. Like our podcast is called the hoops journey and like just building connections with people, right? Like you never know, maybe mm-hmm. some, maybe some guy who is still rattled that he didn't get a Jersey in grade 11 is the producer of your podcast mm-hmm. down the road. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Oh wait, Oh wait. Oh Corbs. wait. Hold yeah. on a second. Oh, oh, oh boy. But honestly, honestly though, like that, like, and I can speak from a coaching standpoint is just that is totally what it's about. Such a cool story. I'm also want to have a little sidebar with you here. What was Richie like? Because I know what he was like as a coach for me and how, how was he? Cause I, when he, when he, when he decided to move to coach on the women's side, I was like, Whoa, all right. I'd be interested to know kind of just what his approach was like, because I know what his approach was like and Mm -hmm. love him to death one of my favorite coaches of all time absolutely you know he literally made me like he was the reason I transferred schools it wasn't because I didn't want to go to Centennial it was because when I was like 10 I only wanted to play for Rich Chambers right and when he left and went to Terry Fox I was like I cried I was like what am I going to do you know and so I'm just curious to know like what that was like for you and how it was being coached by him I mean of course, he's fantastic. Um, I mean, I, there's no other real word to describe him besides fantastic. He's energized. He's always motivated. And he's always there just, you know, either in your face in a good way. I think everything's a good way. But, you know, you screw up and you fix mm. it. Otherwise, you're going to have him again in your face. I vividly remember there was a time <laughs> where we were just, I don't know if it was a group of us. We just couldn't catch the ball at CP. We just couldn't catch the ball. It was just like butterfingers, everyone. And I remember him getting so amped up that he was just stopped the whole gym, you know, started just chucking balls at, at us, just chucking balls as hard as he could, you know, <laughs> windmills, just throwing them. And he's like, well, you can catch me, so you can catch him on the game, you know, and, and just really, that's who he was. But he didn't carry a grudge. He just went on with it. So he was very enthusiastic, but in a great way and kept everyone motivated and everyone wanting to come back and everyone wanting to play. There was never a, a a negative moment. Uh, it was constructive, but it wasn't very negative and like tearing you down. Mm -hmm. Like I know some coaches have in the past to other people. So thankfully I haven't, I haven't experienced that, but he definitely wasn't that. Yeah. And the thing I appreciate about him too, was like, he would get up in your grill, mm-hmm. but then the minute you did just one little smidget of something decent, he'd be, he would recognize it, oh, right? Exactly. He'd be like Lex or Mitch, like I, like I see you, right? Yep. And so you're like, it doesn't matter if you get on me because you're going to recognize when I do something good. And I think like in this age of sensitivity, maybe where we're at in 2020 and high school coaches for some reason are under a microscope and coaches and how they act on the sidelines and stuff. And it's like, you don't know the relationships people have with their athletes and it's a different level and there's a line. Absolutely. There's a line. And I just think you just framed that so well. And I was not expecting that answer or how you're going to, I didn't know where that was going to go, but I just think like some people that maybe over the years have seen Richie Chambers or Goulet 
or some some of these you know coaches that are a little more animated and they just make a judgment and it's like you don't know the background yeah. right and for you you were totally open to the challenge but also knew that you had your back and i think at the end of the day that's what matters right most definitely that uh, you said that yeah. so well as well that's uh, fantastic yeah I just, yeah. Going down memory lane in my brain. Yeah, right? Don't even, yeah, don't even, if great. you even talk about, like, you feel old, just don't go there, okay? <laughs> don't no, even. will not. Don't no, even. I'll keep that to myself. <laughs> and I think it's so cool to touch on, not only do you play for the cadet team, like, you get the honor to go back and play for the U17 team, and you're chosen as a captain, right? Like, what do yeah. you, th- what do you think it was? that coaches saw or was it player voted? I don't know, but like, what do you think it was? And it's okay to talk about yourself in this manner because I think it's important, mm-hmm. but just what was it that people saw in you that were like, that is someone who we want to be a captain for us for the U 17 national team. Uh, so I believe that time it was uh coach's pick, but with that, I think it was, um, I know myself to kind of go out of my way to one, learn not just my position, not just my role, but everyone's role, either on the floor or not. I do that not for anyone else's benefit besides mine. I like to understand people's views. I like to understand their, their thoughts or their opinions on it, specifically the game, what mm-hmm. they're seeing, how they're playing, why they make certain decisions, because that allows me to, you know, make my decisions um, either to mesh better with them or to, you know, maybe provide a different outlook on something. And mm-hmm. me being, you know, a, um, I guess, small forward in that way, I'm not really the, the floor general of like a point guard would be, but I do get a chance to see um, a different perspective than maybe the guards seeing. So I'm not tr- a traditional mm-hmm. low post, but I can understand where the low post is coming from, but I can also understand how, a guard might think. And so being able to talk to different people on those different levels and being that bridge, I think that was mm-hmm. important as a captain. Mm-hmm. And then at the same time, being able to communicate with my coaches and not feel, you know, uh, down on myself if I did something wrong or, you know, too boastful to be able to actually receive constructive criticism. I've always yeah, you're overanalyzing this right now. Like, I don't want to cut you off, but like, let's be real. Like, you're a you're a great human being, and like, you have a great you have a you have a great like. I mean, come on, like, you're trying to give this long winded answer and not be too you know you're not trying to brag, and that's not what it's about. Like, you were a captain because you always showed up. You showed confidence. You also have a smile on your face. You have a demeanor that people want to be around, and people trust you. Like, that's why you're a captain. Just say it. I don't mean to call you out, but like, oh, you're no, like, that's, that's oh, I, I was, too. I was the bridge between the guards and the posts. <laughs> like, no, like you're a good human being and you deserve to be a captain because people trusted you and your coaches trusted you. And sorry to be angry and cut you off, but no, okay. I just couldn't let, I just, I couldn't let you downplay yourself anymore. Like I, I just, to be a captain on, on a national team is huge and you carry like if my son can have half the values and half the instinct that you have, then we did okay as parents. So how's that for a home run hit? I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. But it's true. Appreciate that. Well, I think you just, you're a person that like everybody 
always felt comfortable around you, Lex. Like no one ever felt judged or questioned. And um, mm-hmm. they always felt strong and powerful and that you were a part of whatever. And maybe sometimes to a fault you were too quiet. But I also think that's important because you allowed others to speak or maybe not speak and be comfortable. So I don't know. Let's not let's not downplay what it means to be because we're going to interview a lot of people and no one we've interviewed yet and no one I can think of, Corbs, has can say that they were a captain on the Canadian national team. Right? Nope. No no one else. So, yeah. In your face, other guests. <laughs> 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 um, all right. So then, you you know, you come off that summer, you mm-hmm. rush back, you go to the Nationals and uh, you play for Team BC and you win the Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Boise State gives you a call. Yeah. What is that like? Yeah, that was a... Like, did you, how, how much time did you... Do you remember how much time you had off between getting back from the U-17, like, Canadian experience? Was it days or weeks or... Uh, between that and the call with Boise State? Or no, and not? like, so, yeah, going to the Nationals. Oh, yeah, no. Um, so we came back from Spain and France. And my, at the time, players that were on the national team weren't actually supposed to be on the BC team or, like, the provincial teams based off of what decisions were made previous. So really I wasn't on the BC team at that time, but my mom and I decided, okay, let's go travel a little bit. Let's go to Niagara Falls. Let's go watch the nationals. Um, but let's have some time to ourselves. And then at the time I got a call from the BC provincial team coach, Sean McGinnis at the time. And he said that someone on the team had, uh, got an uh, ACL injury. So they couldn't participate. And they needed another player and they knew that one, I was there locally, but two, they wanted me on the team and they got approvals for that. So I said, sure. Yeah. No way. Yeah. So I got a chance to play that way. So I went from tournament directly to tournament. I think maybe I missed one game possibly. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But then went straight into now, this is a team I haven't played with all summer. Um, I played a little bit at the beginning of the summer, but then I, jumped over to the national team. So I didn't, obviously I knew them. I played with them before, but not recently. So mm-hmm. continued playing the tournament actually in the semifinals, I sprained my ankle really bad. Uh, so much. So I continued playing through it, but I couldn't walk on it. I couldn't even touch it after the game. It was blown up like a balloon. Oof. So I couldn't play in the finals, which was frustrating, mm-hmm. but we still won. We beat Ontario. So that's always a fun experience <laughs> and uh, you got it yeah at the time though i had during that tournament i received a call from boise state because they were actually in spain or in france watching um me play mm-hmm. and so took a call with them decided yep i'm gonna go on an official visit with you guys i knew another player i played with diana lee she was from north van and she was already at boise state so mm-hmm. i felt comfortable like oh yeah i know someone there let's go check it out and so that would all happen mm-hmm. within, I don't know, maybe a couple of weeks of, not even a couple of weeks, maybe a week of my tournaments. And then in the fall, um, after when I was back at school, then I went off to do my official visit. Yeah. And so like good point for young people that are, you know, have aspirations to play at the next level. And obviously you're playing for the national team. So, you know, at the world championships that, there's going to be people watching, but did you have any idea like Boise state specifically, or were you just like, I'm just a young kid and I'm going to go out there and hoop. And then you're like, Oh my gosh, Boise state's calling Mm -hmm. me. Like, 
talk a little bit about, you know, was it even in your mindset to like, I need to go out and compete every day because you don't know who's looking or were you just playing for the sake of playing? Do you know if that makes sense? Yeah, no, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think I've always played with, you know, understanding that anyone could be watching. So that never really mm. was in my mind of like, Oh, I, you know, I, I can't do this because, Oh shoot, someone's going to see. And, and then, you know, something's going to happen or, Oh, I screwed up. So that person's going to say something. No, I just took it as I know this is happening. Shoot. I know my parents are watching. So I always want to do well <laughs> I ride home with them after. So, yeah. <laughs> so with that, that's always been kind of there, but I've also have a really strong sense of self in a way of I'm really critical of myself and I'm really hard on myself. So I know I have to deal with myself if I don't perform well. Right. So I'm my hardest critic having other coaches or other people watching. Um, that wasn't really in my mindset. Although of course that's a possibility. Mm. Love that answer. I think sometimes, you know, with kids and like Instagram and, you know, they think they should be getting looked at and all this exposure. And it's like, if you're good enough, they're going to find you, right. Just go out with a chip on your shoulder every day and like compete and it just takes that one coach to be in that building that day or whoever it is to Definitely. kind of see you. Right. So Definitely. I love that approach. Love that. Love that. Like I'm my own critic. That's, that's mm -hmm. good stuff. And then, so then you go into your grade 12 year and start to play and you know, you have a bad injury, you tear your ACL and just talk a little bit about kind of what your mind frame was. Because I think it's important just how you approached it and how you took it on. And I think also too, like, it's intriguing, you know, you've signed a scholarship to Boise State, you've committed to them. And like, are you worried that they're going to say no more? Or like, how does that work? So that's kind of a two, two way question, yeah, if no, you don't mind no answering that. Um, first, I think, yeah, when, you know, ACL happened, I ended up going to hospital, getting checked out, coming home. And then I'm just sitting there on the couch and thinking, you know, it could be worse. Uh, somehow something could be worse. I can make it through this. I've known people that have had ACL tears. They make it through it. Okay. You know, it is what it is. And I think that threw a lot of people off, um, including my family to a point because they're like, are you, are you sure you're okay? Like, you know, of course I was sad, you know, I've, or so sad, no but kidding. at the same time, it didn't really, it didn't let it bring me down um, so much so that I would be incapacitated. I received, I know I received a call from Allison McNeil and from even Boise State and they're like, are you sure you tore your ACL? Like, you don't sound like you did because I was cheery. I was my same self, uh, even, even if I didn't tear my uh, ACL. So <laughs> I, you know, I reassured them. Yes, I, you know, that's what happened. And, um, but I just had this view that okay, injury happened. It's already happened yesterday. It's in the past. How to move forward? How do I, you know, if Boise State continues to allow me to, you know, receive their scholarship and go there next year, how do I contribute if I'm on the bench? How do I get through the next however long school, you know, of course, graduation and prom was coming up and, and how do I get through all of this moving forward and not let this stop me? And so that's been my kind of view throughout the rest of my career and in, in sport and in life. Of course, I had further injuries down the line, but that's what continued. So I took it upon myself to, you know, learn everything I could about 
whatever I needed to and found a way to contribute. And then Boise State with the scholarship, yeah, that, that did go through my mind because, of course, that's a possibility. Uh, and I just told myself that, again, if they decided to pull my scholarship, I still have, thankfully, a, a loving family. I have potentially somewhere to go next year. I could still, you know, apply to a local school if need be. You know, I had somewhat of a backup plan and hope for the best. And thankfully, it worked out. And I, that's like, what a healthy approach to have, you know, where it's just like these crossroads in your life, especially as athletes, where something could tear you down or kind of take you over. You just mm -hmm. flip the script mentally and looked at a way to, to grow and learn. And so you go to Boise for your first year and you just watch. And what's that second year like after, you know, you got a year academically, how was the jump to university? How was the jump to university in a place like Idaho? You know, what did you enjoy about it? What, what was, what didn't you enjoy about it? And, you know, obviously they had a good football program. So what's the culture of like a D1 school too? How, how were all those experiences? I think lots of people want to hear about that, especially, you know, me um, and, and just how that felt. Yeah. Um, so me being me, I'm again, quiet, shy. Now I'm away from <laughs> home, not just you know, a few hours, but now I'm in a different country, a different state, a, you know, 13, 14 hour drive or something like that from home. And mm -hmm. I know one person and she's not a freshman. So she's not in the dorms, of course, like I am. <laughs> and so I'm very much to myself. So we have, um, there was an athlete storm and it was co-ed. So I shared my dorm with a volleyball player and then two soccer players on the other side. And, you know, many people, if not all of the floor, were doing, you know, athlete parties or dorm parties or going here, going there. They're very outgoing. And uh, I was very much just myself. I got to have school. I have, mm -hmm. you know, want to make a phone call to my family until I got comfortable. And it took me most of that year because um, because I wasn't traveling with the, the team because I was redshirting. I felt more by myself, so it was even harder that way. But I put my focus into rehab and into, you know, working out when I could. And when I'm at practice, I am fully, fully into practice, um, not just sitting there on the sidelines. I may be doing exercises for my knee, but I am I'm making sure I know the plays so that I don't miss a beat. I'm making sure I, I hear the terminologies that are coming out because it's slightly different than what I was used to. And then trying to get a sense of mm -hmm. like, where do I fit in this? And I wasn't as worried about, you know, am I going to come back like I was? Am I going to be different? I was just more so worried about like, where do I fit in this team? How can I contribute uh, when I do come back on the floor? And as the one school part right. of it, I've football has never really been my thing. I've never really understood the sport in general. <laughs> um, I know STM, of course, is a football school, but it was just not really on my radar um so uh, we went to games as a team um for recruiting visits and such and just as for tailgating and that was just mind-blowing because you have rvs parked outside the whole campus shuts down the parking lot is cleared out and you have you know boosters from that are in their 70s or 80s partying and drinking and you have people there with crazy decked out <laughs> cars and boise state colors and it was insane it was fun too of course and i think at the time boise state was like top five or something um so of course a very good competitive school mm -hmm. that way 
Um, but yeah, it was, it was a crazy environment, but I, I didn't uh, go to football games on my own. I went when we had to go with the team because again, football <laughs> was just, it's very long sport for me. I didn't quite understand it. I still am trying to understand it, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, yeah. There's lots of big breaks in it. Hey man. I, yeah. When you go to like another level, like not necessarily high school, but you go to like NCAA yeah. or NFL is like, uh, what's happening right now? Oh, it's TV, right? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's different. A lot of, yeah a lot of media timeouts. And I noticed that with uh, basketball too, because we would have, of course, team timeouts when those occurred, but then you have media timeouts every yeah. four minutes or something. So you can fit everything in properly. And you knew when you were going to get a break just from a media mm-hmm. standpoint, which was kind of nice to like mm-hmm. plan ahead. But yeah, definitely. <laughs> now from, from a basketball standpoint, was it the same? Like were your games televised and did you get media timeouts or was it only because maybe, you know, you weren't like, um, you know, a top 10 program that was on ESPN all the time, or do they follow the same rules? Cause I remember going to the, the Duke coaching clinic and coach K was basically like, we don't scrimmage for more than four minutes because every four minutes there's either a media or a personal timeout. Mm-hmm. Like that's how many timeouts there are in a game for college basketball. So for you guys, did you ever experience that? Yeah, we still had media timeouts, um, yep. like every yep. four minutes or something and, um, a minute timeout mm. or, 30 seconds, but, um, no, our, our games weren't televised in that way. I think the men's later down the line, maybe my junior and senior year, the men's team was more televised on ESPN, uh, or ESPN two, mm. but we had our own, you know, Bronco Boise state Bronco athletics media or something. And right. that's where like my mom would watch the games, um, and yell at the TV. Yeah, yeah. Home. And then, uh, <laughs> you know, the media timeouts would come up and, she got a chance to hear the announcer and different things. Um, so did, did that affect practice? Did your, did your coach work practice? I'm sorry. This is a selfish coaching no, no, question. I'm good. just curious. <laughs> yeah, did, did they modify, <laughs> did they modify practice around that? Or did you notice that at all? Yeah, we did a lot more um, like yeah. short sports, I guess. Yeah. Four or five minute games. Yeah. Um, we didn't scrimmage mm-hmm. long-term very much. Uh, and that's, that's likely why. Um, Right. But yeah, I mean, short answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, that's how it's practices. Kind yeah, of yeah. Went. No, fair um, And then yeah. depending on what part of the season, if it's your preseason, during season or postseason, um, it would change as well. Okay. So things are starting to go well, have a good year, get settled in, you're healthy. And then, you know, talk, just talk us through about getting injured again and how, like how it goes from there. Um, and you know, you, you've mentioned humbly too, that, you know, you had some WNBA interest, but just got to a point physically where your body just, you know, wasn't ready to even think about doing that. And maybe school was starting to take over. Right. And, and just maybe if you can frame all that a little bit, talk to us about that. Yeah. Um, I kind of told myself that, okay, I had my first ACL injury. So be it. That's what it is. Um, but I had seen so many, many players with either repeated knee injuries or other injuries, foot, ankle, whatever it was. And I saw them, you know, some of the senior players um, in the national team, you know, still maybe in their 30s and just chronic injuries then. And it got me one scared, but two, like thinking about the future. And I don't, 
I, I want to be able to run around if I have kids. I want to be able to run around with them. I my dad unfortunately had an accident when he was young, and that kind of didn't allow him to participate in certain activities with us in the same manner that I would like to, or that he probably would have liked to. So thinking about it, I told myself if I had another knee injury, I probably would put the sights of like basketball as a career on hold, or at least put it to the side and focus on school. And so Mm -hmm. lo and behold, another ACL injury comes in the same knee. And so I kind of, I just told myself, all right, well, there it is. And I, knew physically that I could probably get there and get better. And mentally, I wasn't worried about like thinking about it too much, but I just, I I decided to put my focus on, of course, basketball is still there. It's my scholarship. It's what's, you know, my job. It's what's getting me through school. It's a sport that I still enjoy Mm -hmm. and love, but school and academia, Mm -hmm. that is my future. And so that's where I directed my focus. And so, yes, my second ACL comes around mm-hmm. and then I come back from that. And then in my senior year, I have a torn meniscus and then I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, I want to finish Unreal. my senior year out. I want to, I don't want to be sitting on the bench on my senior, my last game. And so, um, I decided to come back and play for the last few games, um, carefully, of course, I didn't want to have another injury come around and then have that be, you know, the last one I have. But I did have some interest from my coach came to me and said, you know, I have some scouts from the WNBA calling. What are your thoughts? Are you interested in, you know, having me set something up? And I told him um, that that wasn't my, my focus anymore. And I appreciated it. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, grateful and uh, thankful for it. But uh, basketball wasn't the way for me anymore. And so just talk a little bit about, um, thanks. That's a great answer. Talk about like, how does someone use what's happened in their past and what are the resources you're pulling in while you're in Boise, Idaho, and you go through your second ACL and then your meniscus in your senior year? Like, how does someone still just have a positive perspective? Like, uh, it's easy to just say, well, that's just how I've always thought. But like, what was it? Who were the people and how did that happen? Because I think for a lot of people that would just crumble them, right? Like it would just be 100%. Yeah, like it would just crumble them. And and for you to even be strong enough to even consider like, you know, someone's respectful WNBA approach when your body is breaking down, how 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 does Lexi get the mental fortitude? to just still show up every day with a smile and be who she is? I think, uh, <laughs> tough question. I know tough well, question. I, think... I know, but it's intriguing. It's intriguing. Cause I like, how many people are we going to interview here? Corbs that are going to go through this many surgeries, still make it to their senior year and still be able to speak as positively about what they've been through. I don't, I don't know. Maybe there will be someone, but maybe, but it's yeah. 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 I think uh... Again, we're pumping your tires, Lex. We're pumping your tires, but I, I'm in. But I'm interested. Like you're sure. you're hours away from your family. You're in Boise, like, and you still have the ability to say, "Well, I I'm honoring my scholarship. I'm going to show up every day because I recognize that these people invested in me. So I'm going to give back what I have." Like you didn't say that, but you did, oh, sure. right? And how do you who how do you get how do you get that in you? Yeah, I, I definitely did see it as, you know, this is still my job. 
this is still providing, mm. you know, my, my means of education here. Um, not to mention still an experience, but, um, I think overall it, it was, you know, I'm thankful that I had a plan. I still had the plan to pursue engineering. Um, I still had that in my woodwork. Mm. So I wasn't solely reliant on basketball. Now, if I was reliant on basketball, then I probably would feel different. And if I didn't have this, right. you know, take pill A or pill B kind of concept, then mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. Matrix yeah. Style. Um, if I didn't have that option or if I didn't set myself up for an option, then I could see myself it being more difficult to have that mental fortitude mm-hmm. um, because I did. I was able to, okay, I'm mm-hmm. still focused there. You know, this injury, these injuries doesn't stop my brain from working. It doesn't stop me from still doing well in school. Yes, it may be a little more difficult to sit in class, but mm-hmm. um, I'll, I'll find a way. There's always a way. There's always something that I can do. And I had, of course, yeah. you know, support for my family. When I had my injuries, my mom, she had retired from work at the time. So she had come down and stayed with me and, you know, took care of me. So I didn't have to worry about, you know, recovering or going to surgery on my own. Like I, I still had my mom with me. So I'm very thankful for that. She had that, that mm-hmm. ability to do that. And she stayed with me for a while. Um, I also had my fiance who, who my fiance is at the time, uh, right now, of course, uh, I had him in my life and he's, mm-hmm. he's been through a lot of <laughs> things as well, sports, and he's got a crazy mindset. So a very driven, very motivated mindset. And so you're able to play off of that as well and having another support system outside Mm. of my immediate family there. So that was, I think it was a combination there. I had a path. I created another opportunity for myself or another option for myself. uh, And I decided to focus on it. And so I wasn't focused on my injury being an injury. I was able to still say, well, yeah, that's, you know, the lower half of my body, but the upper half of my body still works. So we're good, you know, um, continue on that way. Corbs, are you there? Oh, yeah, I'm right here. Sorry. Yeah. I told you this was good, right? The lie, there was no lie in any statement. So thoughtful. Even in that, even in that Mm -hmm. really bad version of this earlier pod, it was you know, we had the back and forth of this is amazing. We need to release it, but also, oh, it's not as good. The auto is not as good. So uh, <laughs> and this is even this somehow even topped it. So, yeah. <laughs> I just wanted a short answer there so we can keep going and you don't break uh-huh. it up, but that's fine. That's, I get it. No, no, that's okay. um, such a good answer and important to have, you know, people around you in a circle of people that you trust that you can lean on. And like Lex, this, I think it's just important for people to hear story now basketball ends and and just talk a little bit about how things wrap up and that you move on to the next phase of your life and what did you take from basketball before we move into the (laughs) ever so anticipated rapid fire question round um how did you take everything that you learned you know you've named some phenomenal people and coaches that you've had the opportunity to be involved with and you also had a great foundation. Like I, you know, this, when you start talking about your mom and dad, like I have their faces yeah. in my mind because they literally were everywhere. Um, and it's funny to say, but it's also super cool. And so 
how do you get to a point where today you click send on a master's degree? Like what did basketball, your basketball journey teach you to get to, to today? Like it's super relevant to today to you to just submit that final project. Yeah, I think, I think some of that starts with, you know, basketball ends, like you mentioned, um, but school was still happening. But now my mind is racing. Well, I need a job or I need the, op- the option to have a job. How do I, how do I do that? I feel like I have no experience. I have no work experience, but you're looking at job postings and they say, oh, you need, you know, as an entry level beginner out of college, you need 15 years of experience or something. And it's like, how do you do that? Um, and then I'm yeah. surrounded with, you know, everyone in the engineering program. Oh, they all had internships. They all had, you know, the working while they're doing their degree or this and that and whatever. And I'm like, I just had basketball. That was my thought. It's like, that's mm-hmm. all I've been doing all my life or mm-hmm. soccer. So what experience do I have? And then I was able to sit down, um, with my fiance at the time and, and go through a resume and be like, okay well, what skills do you have? I mean, yes, basketball is a sport, but there are skills that come out of there. There's communication, there's leadership, there's teamwork, there's, you know, a variety of things that you can pull. There's coachability, the variety of things that you could pull from a sport, basketball or otherwise. And then I started evaluating that and like, okay, yeah, I, okay, I get it. I do have experience. I do have skills that are needed. Now I might not have technical skills for the field, like the, the career choice, but I do have personal, personal, uh, personability and the ability to communicate mm-hmm. and, and be a human being and not just yeah. be like yeah. a robot. Um, that's academic. Like a 99 average. Yeah. 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 And then I also, my brother's a mechanical engineer too. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> um, but then on top of that, layering in that, you know, I done, yes, I was playing basketball and yes, many people see that as well. It's, it's just a sport, but I was also playing basketball full time. And that took away, you know, I don't know, call it six hours of my day every day for my whole career at Boise state. Plus then you have school all day and then you have to fit in homework. So then there's time management and then there's, you know, all these layerings of things that aren't thought about and then still achieving you know, above a 3.0 grade point average. Well, that shows a little something to an employer that, wow, she didn't just like sit on her butt as, you know, the stereotypical student athlete doing, you know, random courses. She was in engineering. Okay. So that means something. And again, that Mm -hmm. those things start to instill confidence in myself in a way that I didn't have before. So, you know, I throw my resume out there to, you know, the Boise State alumni, varsity sports or whatever. And coming across on mm-hmm. my my current boss, um, his desk, and they, we get on a phone call, and nothing I thought I would be doing. Um, they're doing something in water and and wastewater, and I had thoughts I would be in like manufacturing, but things aligned, and I went mm-hmm. out there to interview, and uh, the, one of the females there, she's like. The reason I want you, I didn't even care about your resume, but it said you were a team captain of uh, <laughs> Team Canada. That's why I want you, because you are again a human. You're you're someone who can communicate. I don't care about your your skills, but you can you can be this. So, for the record, you did not mention that last time when we 
did our first recording. I just want everybody to, I don't, I want everyone to think that like what I talked about <laughs> 40 minutes ago or 30 minutes ago, that was just what I was feeling. Like, boom, Rick, young people pay attention, man. Holy smokes. Like home run right now. Right. <laughs> like, oh and this is what I mean. You're like yeah. trying to dance around like, Oh, you know, I guess I really was a connection for the post and the guards. Like you're the friggin' team captain for Canada. Like I'm on. <laughs> Right. And then someone. Yeah. Awesome. What an answer. It, like that's, that's such an amazing answer. Thank you. Corbs, any questions before we uh, start to fire away? I mean, like, we could just hear Lexi just being humble and she's probably pretty uncomfortable with all the praise, but it's very well deserved. Yeah. So, I mean, I got, yeah. I got nothing. I, this is a, I mean. Well, I think that's why it was not a, it was like when we were talking about the importance of, um, having a female guest, it was a no-brainer about who the first person was going to be, right? Like, I think that's why you and I, Corbs, oh. like, we didn't even have to discuss who it was, right? Is because it was more about the person, right? Yeah, it's more of when are we getting Lexi yeah. on rather than... We wanted her on, like, so badly, we just recorded it <laughs> twice, so that's how. <laughs> I appreciate that, guys. It's Happy nice to, to actually, uh, actually listen to this conversation in real time for once, and... Uh, I'll just, you know, I'll just leave it at that. So, <laughs> you've you fielded these questions before, but I'm going to ask them in a different order, just to okay. try and somehow keep you on your toes. The greatest player that you've played against? Yeah, that um, that would be Brianna Stewart. She currently plays on, I think, Seattle Storm. Uh, WNBA team and we played against her at the cadet national team and wow what a unique player to play against I don't think I could pick anyone else for that question do you ever get to do you ever go down to watch the storm play or you're like nah whatever oh I haven't I haven't been able to yeah. I would want to but now they're also redoing the stadium um, yeah so I actually don't know where they're gonna be oh they'd be, they'd be playing at University of Washington, no, but I haven't been over yet. Plan to. Okay. He's been injured last year, I think, uh, with an ace, uh, Achilles. We went down to the March Madness like four or five years ago, and we went back and forth between Portland for Portland to Seattle, Portland, Seattle for the first oh, wow. two rounds. Wow. Yeah, it was, yeah, we were exhausted, but it was awesome. But then yeah. I forgot like just how bad of an arena key arena was like after you go to like the Rose garden and other arenas, you're mm -hmm. like, wow, this place has not been touched since like the nineties, you know, it was like someone needs to do some more work on this arena. So the last time I was there, I went and watched the big three. There was a big three championship oh, no way. last year, two years ago. Yeah. They yeah. had a key arena and wow. What a, yeah. It was rough. Right? Um, the playing was fun to watch the players, but... The, the, no, of course. The, arena the seats was were tight and, like, yeah, they oh, got, man. like, old TVs on the walls, and it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, weird. <laughs> what is spinning on your Spotify or your iTunes or whatever you stream on? Like, what do you listen to? Uh, yeah, so we know this answer. It's Wu-Tang Clan right now. Um, but I'm, I'm just pump. I'm pumping my fist <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, but I'll, I'll add to that. I mean, I, it's Wu Tang, but it's also uh, I have a range of like techno is mixed in there, and then I have kind of just chilling music. 
And then now I'm also trying to work on a wedding playlist. So it's a little mixture, but Wu-Tang is definitely gets me going and gets me hyped up and I work out to it and such. So good. I mean, whatever. <laughs> I, I stopped at Wu-Tang Clan. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, the Wu, like Corbs, do you even know who Wu-Tang is? I know who Wu-Tang is. Of course I do, man. Yeah, right. I just not not uh just haven't gotten around to listen, you know, to whatever. Um But Mitchell, you didn't go to their concert, did I, you? I've never seen them live. Because you know what? Um Oh man. I know because every time they come up here to Vancouver, they we don't get the full roster. Someone doesn't make it, right? Like and it's just and then you throw in being a dad, like they've been yeah. they come on like a Tuesday night and I'm like, oh, you know, like, mm, yeah, that right. Work. You know, but yeah, yeah, it's it'll be probably one of the bigger regrets Man, musically. Yeah, yeah, that is like the. I obviously I didn't really know much about them before, and I went to the concert, and it was like the best concert I've ever been to. It was like four hours long. It was just you know you had the soccer moms there <laughs> jumping around. You had like a seven year old grandpa there. You had guys in like sport coats, and then you had. Even little kids, you had probably like five-year-olds there jumping around. I mean, it was just such a cohesive environment. It was amazing. I love Best it. Concert I've ever I been love to. it. She said soccer bums. I it. <laughs> soccer mums. Um, yeah. <laughs> for you, for you, uh, who was the most influential or like greatest player in your eyes growing up or even up till now? That's hard. Um, I would say the one I looked up to most probably was Steve Nash. Mostly yeah. he is Canadian and, you know, feel like a hometown kind of hero that way. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I did enjoy watching him play in the way of like how he carried himself, how he got the whole team involved. I, I just admired him in that capacity. But at the yeah. same time, I was definitely a Kobe fan in a way of like just, wow, he was just you always heard of him being in the gym, you know, 2 a.m., putting on shots right. and things, and that, that drive was just amazing. Just different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Ketchup on macaroni. Uh, yeah. So on craft dinner, I can put ketchup on it, uh, but not on homemade. If Katie's, if Katie's so bad that you have to put ketchup on it, why are you buying it? <laughs> yeah, I'm if, with you. I don't do it all the time. Yeah. I hear you. I mean, j- I mean, JY, JY puts freaking wieners and hot dog in it. Still, he's a grown man. So, yeah, me too. Like I said, when I was seven, like, <laughs> my God, some of, you, some of you people just need to give your head a shake. You Three more, and then we'll let you go. Thank you so much. Uh, the most important person in your life has been? Um, well, man, that's, a, that's a list. I don't think there's one. Uh... Basketball-wise, I think it's got to be Norman Roberts. Um, he's the one that got me involved in basketball. He's the one that carried me through. I mean, at times I felt like an, another daughter, like what the four, his fourth daughter um, <laughs> was with me all the way through um, through high school. And so it's definitely got to be him in that way. But, uh, man, of course, my parents... And then now my fiance too. I mean, it's just a whole collaboration of people, but Norman for basketball, for sure. And what was it that you mostly, most appreciated about him? 
might be a tough one to answer, but is there something or a couple qualities like what? Other than obviously making you just feel comfortable, like why? Is it because he just went out of his way to just make you feel like basketball was cool? And he just kind of, I, yeah, like, I mean, you, you're like, you already said he, I was like an extra daughter. No, 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 but, no, no I hear you. I, I know what you're Yeah, because he's a, he's a huge name. He's a yeah. huge name in BC basketball on the women's side. And I've just, and I've never heard anyone say a bad thing about him, like 100%. Right, like, oh, so yeah. no, you can't. There's no way, yeah. and you shouldn't want to. So, <laughs> no, he, um, he's he is quite uh, just um, relaxed. He's a very relaxed coach, and it's just you know wants everyone to do well, wants everyone to get better, does whatever he can to you know help that along. Whether that's he'll meet you to where you need to be if one person needs this type of um, coaching instruction, he'll do that. But if that person needs something else, then he'll do that. So he'll adapt. And I think that's really important. And I've seen that with other players. And so I think that's key. Mm -hmm. I think that's really big, especially for people trying to get into any sport or getting into anything. Yeah. Um, having someone be able to guide you that way and help you find your path instead of making you find a different path. Mm. You know, uh, I think that's huge. But, you know, overall, of course, you opened my eyes to knowledge of basketball. And then, of course, all these different people, Allison McNeil and Richard Chambers and everyone else, I wouldn't have ever met them um, without him. Right. And uh, he opened up the whole world of basketball to me. I think that's huge. Awesome answer. Thanks. I felt like you was kind of put you on the spot there, but I appreciate that. Answer. <laughs> no that, was really, that was really good. Two more. You're driving home from work. You stop and get some gas. You look in the ashtray. You're like, "Oh, I got like three twenty-five American, which is like, which is like seventeen dollars up here." Um, what's the bag of chips that you're rolling in? You're like, "I'm got, I'm hungry. I'm a little snacky. I'm gonna grab a bag of all dressed truffles." Let's go. That's my girl. Just love right. it. Such flavors, man. Right. Just yeah yes yes and like has your fiance been has he made it up up this way yet yeah yeah have you have you exposed him to the ketchup game or no i think so he's, no he's very much a just like salted chips i don't know so hmm. he doesn't like a lot of weird things he tried all dressed hmm. and he just didn't understand what it was and hmm. then uh ketchup i don't know i haven't yeah. really been a huge ketchup chip fan Yeah. Not my thing. I don't know, but I would. Well, I'm sure to bring it down to Boise State. Like when I'd go home, I'd bring down bags. People loved them. Well, I'm sure your fiance does a lot of other things as well, but you know, <laughs> maybe help him step up his chip game a bit. Uh, we'll do, <laughs> <laughs> especially if he wants to be on a hoops journey. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then the last one before we let you go: if you could do it all again, you would slow down and take it all in best as I could looking back and reflecting. I mean, I've done, I know I've done an exceptional amount in my lifetime thus far, but how much of it did I really absorb along the way? Uh, looking back, I can say, I, I remember this and I remember that. And, you know, I took these skills, but while I was in the moment, everything was moving so fast that I don't think I took enough time for myself to just like sit still and slow everything down around me. So I would mm. 
I think doing that would be uh, something I'd do again. Like more to appreciate it or just to... I think to appreciate it. I think to learn more, to find Hmm. holes in the moment where like I could learn and explore instead of like, like things that I'm reflecting on today. I'm like, those are things I'm learning about, but I could have been Mm. learning at them at that time. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So I think it's a a mixture of things, but appreciation is definitely one of them. I mean, I'm I'm very much an appreciative person. I am very grateful for the things I have and the things I've been a part of, but um, taking it even one step further and being really there and not just kind of more surface level than maybe I, I could have been. Yeah, that was one of the things. Did you have you watched all the Last Dance documentaries yet? Episodes? I haven't watched them. No, no, no I want to. That's okay. You don't have to say it. You don't have to say it so sheepishly. <laughs> we just talked about your masters being dropped, sure. so get it. But one of the things that I took away that was huge, and that trying to teach young people now is like one, be reflective. But um, they talk about it in the last episode, like you know, MJ wasn't great because. You know, he could jump the highest, he could score the most, he had the best skill. It's because he was like present every single day. Like he was present in everything that he did. Right. And that's a huge thing. And just to whether you're appreciating it or you're competing in it or you're just sitting back in a living room with some teammates, you're just present in it. Right. And um, I think that's an important thing for younger people to take away. And it's not like a regret, it's just, hey, if I had a chance this is what I would have done. So that's a, like an amazing answer. Um, as we wrap it up here, do you have anything else that you want to add or any little kind of extra little tidbits or something, a little little nugget before we, uh, get you on your way and you can put your head on the pillow? I think overall, just thank you for, you know, allowing me to share my story and having me on here, Mm -hmm. you know, multiple times now. (laughs) I appreciate it. And (laughs) all the words that you shared, I mean, it's allowed me to go back down memory lane and really reflect in a deeper level. So I appreciate that. Um, thank you yeah. guys. You guys are. No, you're welcome. Big in my life too. Yeah, you're welcome. And I, and honestly, like Lex, if we're being totally truthful, this is what it's that it's about, right. Is we're really bad about talking about ourselves, but then we don't take the time to go back and mm-hmm. be like, wow, I've actually really experienced a lot because who other than maybe your fiance, are you going to like, there's no one, it's going to be like, tell me about your U17, sure. you know, right? And, it, and it's important and it's cool. And it's a reminder to just keep pushing. So you're a rock star in our eyes, man. And we appreciate you being with us. And we wish you nothing but the best. And we know you have a wedding coming up in December. Fingers yeah. crossed. Hopefully all that goes well. That. And uh, hope, hopefully times are manageable at that point. And, you know, give, give your parents a big hug when you get the chance to see them for us. And um, we love you. And thanks for being with us. Most definitely. Thank you guys. Got it. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Um, in these crazy times, continue to take care of each other, continue to support shout out to good lad clothing, um, Corbs, much love, and we'll see you on our next episode. Be welcome.